0: Your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest, coming now to headphones in your ears. Welcome, all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Brian Fry, and joining me today are my friends and co hosts, Chad Robinson and Dustin Melbrand. How's it going, guys?
1: Going well. It's going so spooky. It's gonna be a spooky podcast today.
0: I don't want to like jump in and like immediately quote a song from uh, Scream Two, but Scream. Oh! <laughs>
1: we're supposed to do that. Oh! Oh! <laughs> I guess <we're> to... <laughs> no, behind you, behind you, behind you. Oh man, if this if this recording is gonna be a whole bunch of, of of quotes, I'm down for it. Huh. Uh, all
0: right. So uh, since it's uh season vets on today, I think we'll just jump right into it. Uh, let's go with uh, Dustin. Uh, what is your favorite horror movie killer?
1: Favorite's a good way of putting it because I think there's like the best and I think there's the scariest. I'm going to go with Tell me if this counts because I had to narrow it down. Is the xenomorph count from Aliens? Is that a horror movie? Yes.
2: Alien. It's
1: definitely I... a horror movie. Alien. I... Right. I, think I you're sorry. I think if you're,
0: you're killing for uh, real, if you're ending lives, I think it counts.
1: I think the Xenomorph is awesome. I always have. I would not say that Alien is my favorite franchise, but as a killer, love the Xenomorph. Um, I also think I've always thought Chucky was funny in Child's Play until it got way, way, way too campy. But I thought he was funny. Oh, I co- Freddy Krueger's funny, too. It was, it was hard to narrow it down. It comes
2: back. Uh, Cult of Chucky goes back to its roots. They they got good again after the terrible seed of Chucky.
1: That's good to hear.
0: All right, Chad, what's your favorite?
2: Freddy Krueger, hands down. I mean, I saw that movie nice. way too early in my lifetime, and something that could kill me in my sleep, yeah. Yeah, that caused some problems.
0: I am willing to take a hit on this, but I think mine's got to be Patrick Bateman, American Psycho.
2: I'm okay with that. I love that.
0: I I feel like that, you know, some people are like, oh, it's a dark comedy. And I'm like, okay, I see it. But I also, I mean, he's also definitely a killer. I don't feel like I ever get to see someone enjoying what they're doing more than, than Patrick Bateman (laughs) in American Psycho. And yeah, I just, I feel like that's got to be my favorite. Um, I want to toss a, a little bonus question in here. What is your favorite horror movie that probably shouldn't have been made?
1: I have a good answer for this. And I think it's because a lot of horror fans are like original horror fans. Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite is a remake. I liked the early 2000s Texas Chainsaw Massacre with uh, okay. leading lady Jessica Biel. I know Arlie Ermey plays the sheriff in it. I uh, can't at the top of my head think of any other leader, leads in that one, but that's my favorite Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that's one that like I'll rewatch as just a movie. Not if I'm in the, not if I'm in like the headspace of a horror movie. I just think it's great. You
2: you have broken Chad, my heart right there. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chad, so sorry,
0: Chad. I gotta put you on the spot too, man. What should not have been made? Yeah,
2: I'm probably gonna make another another set of people purist angry. I love the Snyder Dawn of the Dead. I love it. And the 70s, 80s version, people are attached to that one. It's a completely different tone. It has no interest in social comedy. Commentary, it is just zombies and killing. And I love it.
0: Okay. And Richard Cheese, man. Yes. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. I love that song. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. That was my favorite part of that movie, by the way. (laughs) No, I'm not saying the rest of it's bad. I just, like, Richard Cheese became a thing for me after that movie. I was like, who is this person, and why don't I have more of him? So the reason I bring this up is because I had to have one window, one opportunity to bring up 1986's IMDb rating 4.5 stars. Yes, that's right, Troll.
2: Oh, Troll Troll 2 is a disaster, though. One of the worst movies of all time. It is, but it wouldn't
0: have happened. It wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a Troll 1. So hats off to Troll 1. Thank you so much for happening because you gave us, I mean, it gave me so much ammunition in college. Like, I can't tell you how many times we watched Trolls. Um, Anyway, that's the (laughs) whole reason. The, The whole prompt for this was setting up me talking about Troll for a second.
1: Is Troll, uh, could, could, is it possible that Troll and Leprechaun are friends? Yes. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm only asking cause I think that'd be lovely.
2: Yes, there's a,
0: well, Lep, Leprechaun 1 got some credibility though. Yeah. Like maybe not Lep in the hood or back in <laughs> the hood or whatever Lep, Lep 2 was. Up but, in Space Hood. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't, yes. that was 3, Space I think was 3. Mm-hmm. Oh. So anyway, yeah, Leprechaun went downhill fast. But number one, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston was in it. I mean, it, it had a little credibility. Well, this is, um, this is
2: dangerous territory because I'm just going to keep doing this all night. But Troll 2 actually does not feature any trolls. None whatsoever. <laughs> they are goblins for no good reason.
0: It's just, it's just a hint. It's a seed. <laughs>
2: we really need um, to piggyback on the Trolls franchise.
0: All right. So next round is what is the last movie you saw, Dustin?
1: Uh after re watching our movie for today, I remembered that I really like watching movies. And so I so I went back so I went back to rewatch another favorite. I don't know if the era counts as quite the same, but I rewatched uh, Friday. I love Friday. Excellent.
0: Bye Felicia.
1: <laughs> Call that a twin a twin, twin. <laughs>
0: I-, I think bye Felicia is probably one of my top five most quoted lines from a movie.
1: Oh, wow. I would put the I would put the lean over and the damn ahead of By Felicia, but By Felicia's had a really good resurgence so over the last several weeks. Yeah, years.
0: it's but it's so useful. It's all I mean, like it's By Felicia and just uh, I'll toss a couple more out there. Um, Independence Day, I fly. I'm pilot. I say that a lot. Um <laughs> I probably will sooner or later get an intervention on that one. Uh Pizza Dude's Got 30 Seconds from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Say that a lot. Basically, every time I order pizza. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure I annoy people with a a variety of lines. But anyway. Oh, I'm sure uh, they
1: tell you that it's endearing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they lie. Uh, (laughs) Chad, what was the last movie you saw?
2: I mean, we were doing Scream today. I watched the entire Scream franchise. Uh, Oh, good. Scream Scream 4 is... Excellent. This entire franchise, man, it's it's probably one of the most solid, if not the most solid, horror franchises.
0: I've been uh riding really, really high on the HBO um co-releases. At HBO Max co-releases with uh, um I'm blanking on which um film studio Arliss. is doing that. Uh, But uh, the last one uh, I watched was the new Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, It's watchable. Uh, I know that sounds like a negative, but I mean, there's there's ups and downs to it. It's it's not going to win an Oscar, but it's very, very watchable. Um, I would put it maybe second or third on the ones that have started popping out from uh, HBO Max. Really, I enjoyed the uh, the Denzel uh, uh, the, the the little things the most so far. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of digging the idea. I hope it works out in practice so it continues.
2: Yeah, definitely. Especially with theaters shut down right now, that's I don't want to wait until whatever's released in two AMC theaters comes into Redbox or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I I also don't want to comment on whether or not it's good or bad for the film is- industry. I, I think I've heard some stuff about the idea that uh, when the entire paradigm shifted as if they weren't prepared for it. But I, I know that some like Hollywood people aren't necessarily happy with the idea of just like HBO releases, but hey, it's it's entertainment. We all want it.
0: It's literally home
1: box office. I mean, it is. Come on. It, it's what it is. What it's in the title. It just has
2: to be fixed by the new Halloween. I do not want to see that outside of theaters. You need some horror movies in theaters.
0: I agree because most of the really, really funny things we've heard from audience reactions have come from horror movies. (laughs) and I think that has to that has to continue. So tonight we will be introducing or reintroducing you guys to the movie Scream. It was released in 1996. It graced one hundred and three million dollars. It placed 13th in the box office. It placed ahead of Phenomenon. It placed behind Eraser which I got to say, it, it makes me laugh a little bit at place behind Eraser, but I do love that movie too. So props, um, or I'm sorry, eraser pop, uh, was behind it. And, uh, but I still love that movie. So all, all good company. Uh, number one, that year was independence day, which is funny because I can fly. I am pilot.
2: Welcome to <laughs> earth. And,
0: uh, I, Oh God, I dude, Randy Quaid in that movie, That's hard. Um, IMDb rating on this was a 7.3. It starred Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore for five seconds. It won an MTV award. Best female, female performance was Nev Campbell, uh, three Saturn awards. Uh, we also had a critics' uh, tomato meter, rotten tomato meter at 79%, and audiences agree at 79%. I'm in complete agreement, maybe even a little higher on this. Uh, how do we feel about those statistics, fellas? Dustin,
1: too low, too low. I'm I am surprised that it's, this would be a C plus movie. Um, I feel as if these, these people are uh, the critics and the audience alike. They they aren't watching it with the with the the best critical eye. Critics watching with a critical eye, no way. They're just they're buying into what they remember about it. They aren't rewatching it like we do on Retro Movie Roundtable and giving it the honor that it deserves. Uh, End of opinion. Well,
0: scream. If you guys didn't know, right now Dustin was holding a Bible over his head while he preached.
2: (laughs) Scream was in a weird place because the 90s horror franchises, everything had just been run into the ground. So, I mean, horror movies were just dying on a vine. And this one didn't start out well, so where it finished is kind of impressive to me. I want better for it, but knowing the time frame and just the pain of bad child's play that had come in. Uh, Freddie had run its course. We were into some really bad Freddy films. Jason, oh my goodness, the films that we were getting. Just terrible. Leprechaun. You know, this spread through word of mouth. Like, people saw it in theaters and just told their friends, you actually need to go see this. And so it gained steam later. But yeah, I... I went better for it all across the board.
0: Well, it's good that MTV got in on this because I feel like, and I'm not going to make any broad statements like this was the first teen horror movie, but it I feel like it was a very catered to teen movie as opposed to, you know, you have movies like The Thing where it's all adults, um, Alien you know, for a long time, and for a lot of things, you, know, you may have had teenagers in it at a campground or a lake or something like that. But I don't ever got I never got that teen vibe from it. Whereas this really pulled in the '90s streak of uh, of teen movies, and then said, "All right, let's kill them."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a little black Christmas in it.
1: Yep, yep. The uh, the t- the teen horror is it's almost its own genre, right? Um. I feel as if, what, the, the faculty, um, I remember. If, yeah, uh, absolutely. Teaching and if it Mrs. Was... Tingle. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And if it wasn't before, it certainly was at this
1: point. And we have Scream to thank for that. Or are you saying that if it wasn't the first, sort of like, if it, if it wasn't the first, I think it's what put this genre on the map. Yeah, I mean, so exactly. Scream yeah, set
2: definitely. off, I know what you did last summer, urban uh-huh. legend. And it also sets mm-hmm. off a, a bunch of this meta humor, we wind up getting self-referential. We see it in Cabin in the Woods in like 2011. Right. Yeah.
0: I'd say it's harder to name horror movies that weren't teen horror movies in the 90s than the other way around.
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially mid-90s and above. Even Blair Witch, they're teenagers in a wood.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it was definitely, I mean, it was the new thing to beat into the ground. It just hadn't gotten there yet.
1: Me and my dad walked through the woods to go to a midnight showing of Blair Witch Project at a very small theater um, in Kentucky, uh, and walking back through the woods was memorable for all the scariest reasons. I, I loved <laughs> Blair Witch.
0: Had this been my production, it would have been shown on a bed sheet on the middle of the woods, and then on your way back, <laughs> I, you would have found all of the crap we had hung from trees that were, were not there as you walked out. <laughs> yeah uh so guys uh let's start with chad uh i think we know the answer to this already but, uh, <laughs> tell me about having seen, seen this movie before
2: yeah this is one there aren't too many horror movies that i hit at least once a year but this is one of them uh it's one i'll even watch on tv and i won't get too frustrated with uh you know so many they, they even re- talk about it in the movie where the Exorcist, they cut out the good parts and they make it PG-13. This is watchable on TV. So if I, I find it on whatever, TNT, TBS, I'll sit down and watch it then. I like, guess this is what I'm doing. It's the Star Wars rule. If Star Wars is on TV, I own it in like 17 different formats. I'm still watching Star Wars with commercials, whatever. uh, uh I saw it late though. I got all the references early. I mean, it was hard to avoid in schools, but... I think it was college when I saw this, and to give a reference, I was twelve when this came out, so it it took me a bit to hit the franchise. But I'm a huge Wes Craven fan. Favorite movie is or favorite horror movie is Nightmare on Elm Street. So, Wes is the man.
0: All right. So, uh, uh, tell me about uh, your first time seeing it, Dustin.
1: I I'd seen it a half a dozen times or so in between um, middle school and high school. I think uh, I was if it's 96 I was 9 when it came out so I missed its uh theatrical release likely um but then it became very much like in the movie where like you're at a party and there's a scary movie on which I remember being a thing where like going to a party someone's it's not like everybody's sitting down and watching the movie but there's just something on yeah uh that I I remember this one being on um I remember Donnie Darko being on as well like yes. would you went to the same parties movie. as us <laughs> Yeah um but like I saw it half a dozen times and <clears throat> I think I was maybe like cynical at the time or I was like man nobody wants to be just sitting down watching a movie um and then another thing about the timing of me seeing it was I feel like the scary movie franchise took away some of the uh the brilliance of how this movie should have like affected the generation because of, I think in some ways the, the parody like scary movie franchise uh, is maybe more memorable to a large group of us at that time.
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I have this, I'm not sure if I have this right or not, but scary movie was actually the working title of scream Yep. Uh, for a right. lot of, for a lot of its production. So I, I definitely think that, that, the scary movie franchise was a direct result of scream. I'm not sure how much it really detracted for me though. Like it definitely, you have to have that. I think it was really like the humanization of the killer in this. I mean, he does get his butt kicked a lot, uh, (laughs) I should say. Um, But it's one of those things that uh, I, I don't know. There's still, this is still a horror movie. Like for the funny parts, for the comic relief and everything else, it's still a horror movie.
2: 50 gallons of blood, agree with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I won't say that, like, I didn't have the, um, I wasn't weighing the cultural impact when I was at that age, either. Um, but, like, in retrospect, looking back, I'm thinking, like, uh, I think me and my friends were more excited to see, like, a scary movie, a film in the scary movie franchise. It's weird to use scary movie when you're talking about other scary movies, uh, but, I think that we were more excited to see those than we were giving the proper respect to the source material.
2: Yeah, I don't think we really understood the impact Scream had. I mean, yeah, we—I got confused when I know what you did last summer came out. It's like, okay, we're doing the same thing over and over. But yeah, just looking back now and seeing what happened to horror, you know, this carried it through until you know, Blair Witch really resets and we get found footage in a, a whole other genre. But This is kind of the magnum opus of the slasher genre. This is a love letter to all the slashers of old.
1: It's a champion. Scream is a champion of that time.
2: Yes. So
1: I take it uh, our expectations coming
0: into it this time were all high. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: I- when this got
2: shortlisted, it's like, "Oh, please. Dustin Dustin was picking it and I I may have uh threatened him a little bit. It's <laughs> like, "Please, please pick this. Please pick something. Nothing
1: I couldn't recover from. Uh that took too long, but uh yeah, it was uh I I was happy to revisit this one because I I had met so many people uh you included who had this movie on a pedestal and I don't think I ever really did. It, it was, puts the uh,
0: movie on a pedestal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buffalo Bump. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I feel like um I went in with I, I like I went in saying I wanna believe that like Scream deserves the cred and uh we'll save the rating for later. But I, uh, as far as determining if it deserves the cred, it still does, baby.
0: I really didn't want to believe until the X-Files, but that's that's all right. (laughs) Um, So we've answered a lot of questions here, guys, and in all of our feelings toward this movie. So all I really want to know is, is there any piece of this you feel didn't hold up or is this still legitimate?
2: I mean, obviously, the caller ID, this movie actually influenced caller ID. It wound up being three times more subscribed to after Scream, and it's addressed in the sequels. So that's not great. And they actually make a, a remark uh, about the killer in Friday the 13th being Mrs. Voorhees. Well, now you can't do that. 2009, the movie called Friday the 13th, the killer is Jason. So you'd have to clarify, well, in the original Friday the 13th, stupid stuff like <laughs> that. But yeah, I think the caller ID is the one that everyone is going to harp on. You know, star 69 back in the day for you kids. Uh you know ask your parents to explain that to you (laughs) but
1: star 69 um yeah yeah i think um the the scenes around like how the violence or the murder was talked about by the kids in the school i feel as if um in today's day and age uh maybe teen violence in schools or near schools is maybe too close to a very tough subject for us in the United States. Um, so maybe that's the closest thing, but as a microcosm of just what kind of movie this is, it I still think it does what it sets out to do so well.
0: Agreed. Well, we're going to take a quick advertising break. We are going to ruin the crap out of this movie for you if you haven't seen it. <laughs> don't say so it. Don't say it. Just don't say
1: I'll
2: be right back. I'll be right back. welcome to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and every week we review a movie from the past and reflect on things we miss things we loved and things we want to see again Yeah, because we believe any movie worth
0: watching is worth watching again. So if you like films, friendship, and a lot of callbacks, I mean, just so many callbacks, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever RSS feeds go for like-minded, movie-loving individuals
2: like you. What happens when two modern film fans go back and re-watch all the old classic films from yesteryear to see if they hold up? You get the Classic Film Jerks Podcast. Find the Classic Film Jerks Podcast on all the major platforms. And welcome
0: back, all you knights, nice lords, and ladies of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We've got a plot discussion for you on this movie, so if you have not yet watched it, I urge you to pause now. Chad gives plot.
2: Sydney Prescott is a high school student with a tragic past. When two of her classmates get killed, Sydney finds herself as the new target of the killer. This coincides with the anniversary of her mother's tragic murder at the hands of her lover, Cotton Weary, or so we're told. Sydney's attacked by a killer in a mask, but manages to fend them off until her boyfriend, Billy Loomis, name should give that away, arrives. Sydney finds Billy's timing suspicious and he's taken into questioning by the police. However, Sydney receives another anonymous phone call while Billy's at the station. Her father goes missing, and the police begin to suspect he's the killer. Sydney's principal is killed, and her school is closed. Her friends Stu Mocker, Tatum Riley, Randy Meeks, and Billy all throw a big party to celebrate the closure. Kind of messed up, but fine. skeezy reporter named Gail Weathers, who's trying to exonerate Cotton Weary, also attends the party uninvited. Tatum's brother Dewey Riley is assigned to guard the party, but unfortunately he's more like Barney Fife as a cop than Magnum P.I. Uh, his, his sister Tatum, she's cornered by the killer in, the, in a garage, and she is killed in absolutely fantastic fashion by a really strong garage door opener. Sydney and Billy reconcile, and then they have sex, as teenagers do. That opens her up to the possibility of being murdered, though, according to her friend Randy's rules of horror. Gail's cameraman is killed, Dewey is stabbed, and Randy is shot. Not a great party. It's revealed that Billy and Stu are actually both the killers known as Ghostface. Billy seeks revenge for Sidney's mother breaking up his parents' marriage through her affairs, and Stu's just too sensitive, man. He's easily peer-pressured. The pair reveal they are the ones that killed Sydney's mother. Sydney fights back, killing Stu with a TV and shooting Billy in the head. Sydney, Randy, and Dewey survive the night of terror, and Gail gets her news story.
0: I'm feeling a little woozy here, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Stu. Oh,
1: totally. It, it, it
0: is, yeah, it's, it's a thing. So guys, how do we feel about the cast of this movie? I mean, I did a brief rundown earlier. Is there any uh, high points, low points? What do you want to talk?
2: I mean, we have to start with Drew Barrymore. And I love the fact that Drew Barrymore, like horror, you go and you get unknowns. You do it cheaply. That's what you do. And Drew Barrymore, through some happenstance, wound up with this script and went to the studio and said, put me in this movie, which is insane because she was a high level actress. Her name was going to be attached. She was going to play Sydney. Uh, scheduling didn't work out. So yeah, her name helps you get everybody else. You get Nev Campbell from Party of Five. You get Courtney Cox off of Friends, who was just desperate to not be Monica Geller. She She's like, just cast me as this awful, awful woman and let me be awful to everyone on screen. You know, Rose McGowan goes on to bigger things. David Arquette goes on to win the WCW championship. So, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's his accomplishment. Uh, I love the cast. And, you know, right down to Matthew Lillard. I, he is so great for me. And he wasn't even supposed to get this part. He, he gets spotted while his girlfriend's auditioning for another movie. And they're like, hey, you want to come read for Scream? sure <laughs> so it's just serendipity all over the place for this cast
0: I uh I do love me some Matthew Lillard he is one of my favorite actors and he's one of those people I get excited when I still see him and stuff And I'm like
1: yes this guy Twin Dustin peaks, how about term. you <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew you'd know that one um well starting with you said Matthew Lillard first I'm like, gosh uh I think we all knew or were that guy in high school that kind of uh, rubber I think I kept mouth
0: I think I kept my tongue in my mouth more but maybe I don't know
1: yeah (laughs) it depends on the venue I will say like (laughs) with with that that every performance by uh several and and many more of of the names that were just listed um are exactly what I what I want it felt um it felt like you knew these these people or you had a you, you you knew someone like them uh we didn't mention maybe it was and i and i wasn't paying attention jamie kennedy uh playing a role where i didn't hate him um, <laughs> yes because i definitely saw malibu's most wanted in theaters oh, no. and uh and walked Lynch. out uh first ever <laughs> movie walked out of um walked out of real theaters in pigeon forge tennessee walked out of malibu's most wanted but um Yeah, uh, the 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 whole the whole cast uh, is is it makes me happy to see them on screen uh, and to see the 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 performances. Uh, I I do not know anything else about Skeet Ulrich. I don't know anything else about him, but I love him as Billy. Um, He looks like Johnny Depp,
2: and that's why they casted him.
1: Yeah, because I mean, he does Um, absolutely. Uh, Even Principal Henry Winkler in his performance. Uh, hey. uh, you know what? Sorry. I called him Principal Henry Winkle. He has a name. I just don't remember what it is.
2: Himbry. Um, principal Himbry.
1: Himbry. Himbry. Yeah. Uh,
0: remember, but... your principal loves you.
1: <laughs>
2: yes,
1: oh. <laughs> I love that.
2: As he's just cursed out a bunch of teenagers and threatened them with scissors. and, exp- and Expulsion.
1: That was that. <laughs> was awesome i think i like as a as an adult looking at the type of principal justice he was gonna go uh give to these two kids i was like yeah you go get them winkler or Embry. <laughs> Embry. Like, expel those kids yes, Threatening them with sharp come. objects that's fine the scissors yes uh that's that's great uh all all performances including before you know who ghostface is um to to say that a a killer has personality uh really has to um speak to the acting right the the acting of even even when he's running down attempting to murder you know he he's agile he's quick he's prone to getting knocked into stuff or by stuff man i'm surprised he didn't get knocked out cold by that freezer door yes. uh, every performance it's not just about who they were but the performances were i felt Elevated.
2: Sure. Chad, what do you think? Yeah, I can't praise everyone up and down for their performances. Uh, I think Dustin's correct as far as I am not a Jamie Kennedy fan. This is the movie (laughs) where I enjoy seeing him. He's in the sequel, and I enjoy him in the sequel. I like the Randy character as the one that's more self-aware. The one that goes through, you can't do this. But even... He has some smirks and good lines about the uh, guts in the mailbox and whatever. When he gets fired from the video he's like I've been fired twice, just pops like a tic-tac and gives this obnoxious (laughs) grin. Like he's supposed to be obnoxious and he succeeds because he's Jamie Kennedy. But (laughs) yeah, Courtney Cox, I, she went so far away from the Monica Geller stereotype of friends. You just don't like her when she's talking about hey if I'm right about this I could save a man's life do you know what that do for my book sales oh it's like, yeah oh you were the worst human being morally bankrupt <laughs> morally bankrupt yeah. she's just yelling at her fat cameraman. it's like
1: yeah that <gasps> dude uh, that's yeah she he catches a lot of the ire right when when Courtney when uh, Gail Weathers is on the screen The, the, any dialogue or any, anything directed at that cameraman did kind of make me like, you know, just feel sad for a little bit before being uplifted by whatever else was happening in the movie. But I was like, oh man, they've really given that camera guy the business. (laughs) All he's doing is eating Cheetos. Like that's, that's awesome.
2: Yes. Yes, He was doing the rocket ship game with the Cheetos. He's, he's just kind of this little kid that's That's getting bossed around by the mean lady.
1: Absolutely, but he also is just doing his job, and and he and he's part of like the cover, the 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 little move he makes to slide the portable camera to Gale. Yes, I mean like he's he's an integral part of the team, uh, but she still treats him like trash.
0: So this movie was uh, produced by uh, Kathy Conrad and Carrie Woods, and directed by the Wes Craven. So I know we've got a lot to talk about on West. Do we want to add anything about the produ- uh production of this?
2: Just that again, it this was supposed to be another low budget slasher and it just wound up taking a very different turn. Like, holy crap, we have Drew Barrymore. We <laughs> we're we're now legitimate. And We've made it a thing. Yeah. Do we need Wes Craven? Do we get someone better? That was actually their thought. <laughs> well, and that's
0: a fair thought. So let me, let me follow that thought up with this. Without Scream, where does Wes Craven end up in the Hall of Fame for horror directors?
2: Oh, I think he's still up there. I mean, The Hills Have Eyes, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I like New Nightmare. I'm not a fan of People Under the Stairs. Uh, people support it. Last House on the Left is a brutal movie to watch. I think it's it, a it's good movie, but it's not something I'm going to be like, hey, go have date night and watch this movie. Um, that's uh, that's more of a watch this movie and then attend whatever religious institution you would prefer.
0: So are we thinking this is the cement though? Like, does this really like, okay, this was it. Like he's had these home runs. Now he's got, this is the game winner.
2: I think so. I think this is the slam dunk of, like, you cannot deny me anymore.
0: I, oddly enough, liked Cursed with Christina Ricci and, uh, and uh, Jackson. Mm. So, I, I, it's, I, I'll call it a guilty pleasure. I'll cop to it.
1: I would have said it's more like the cherry on top instead of, like, the cement. Um, I think we're all saying that, like, this, this did nothing but boost the cred. Um, but I guess all I'll have to say is, uh, one, about the production... Uh, it was it was brought to the table with the possibility slash uh, intent of being a franchise, um, which I think is either gutsy or smart or a combination of both. It's like we've got something hot here, and it's going to be great. And I know that you guys, uh, especially Chad, talking about seeing all the sequels. Like I'm, I haven't. I've, I've. Scream is just. I've only seen the first. I, I am. I guess we'll say, afraid to, uh, to see the rest, uh, thinking that it might sully my, the way that I think about the movie. But the, I guess the, the second thing I was, gonna, I was only going to mention was that I, I liked the people under the stairs. Uh, it legitimately scared me uh, when, I was, when I was young. So th- that's, that's another one that, like, when you said it has its following or has its people, I'm one of those.
2: Oh, yeah. I just got to it way too late. I saw it as an adult. I was in my 20s. And so, yeah, I get it. Every every kid is terrified of their spooky basement. And if you get to that young, yep, that is going to do it to you. But he really, he learns from New Nightmare. and I don't know if any of you have seen New Nightmare, but it's very meta. It He didn't write, and they actually take a shot. I love this shot at Nightmare on Elm Street franchise when they say, seen the first one and the rest suck. Because Craven didn't have anything to do with two through six, so that's him taking a shot at everybody else messing with his franchise. Although he did write for three, and Dream Warriors is actually pretty good. But Nightmare, a uh, new Nightmare was a movie within a movie. Uh, they were shooting, and it had Heather Langdonkamp who was Nancy in the first one. She was playing herself, getting attacked by Freddy. So it was very nuanced, and then Scream just takes it to another level as far as the meta. Because now, you know, they were aware of their own horror movie, but now there are rules in Scream. And they're just, we've got the Halloween references. My goodness, if you go through all the homages to other movies on this, uh, you know, obviously oh, starts with it When a Stranger Calls. But we could go down to The Howling.
1: And uh, I, w- I wanted to ask this based on what i just heard was the 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 meta this was something that i had to it during my first several watches of this movie in in middle school and high school it um wasn't something that uh, i think i recognized but without the meta i think the movie's still really good without it i think it's it's part of what makes it great tell me if i'm wrong here M- maybe i was just trying to um like parcel out which things i liked but I thought the meta was was awesome and it, and it's it's truly unique at least at the time and and in rewatching it, it it's delightful but uh even without it uh just the um actual like mystery of who the killer is and uh the 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 actual slasherish part of it uh I think even without the the meta it would stand up as still a great movie am I am I wrong do you guys agree with me there
2: I think you're right I- it was still nuanced enough, so we don't have very many movies. Nothing really comes to mind that hit big where we've got two killers working simultaneously. A lot of times it'll be a misdirection, but this gives you enough nuance and okay, now it's Billy and Stu that are working together to do this. You kind of take take a look at Skeet Holrich and you're like, Yeah, there's something shady yeah. <laughs> about this kid. Like, you're probably the killer. And they they move you off of it, I thought they did a good job with the boots, so the sheriff they they show you a nice shot of his boots at one point. the sheriff's boots yeah yeah, as uh and they had just previously had the bathroom scene where you slowly see the boots lower from the stall, and then the robe descends, which is a great shot. I love that, but it was great misdirection of well, maybe it's the sheriff who just hates these kids, which is fun. <laughs>
1: do you think with the with the misdirection uh, with with any movie that has a mystery aspect to it, uh, are you seeking to like suss out the the like are you seeking to solve it before the movie does it for you or do you are you able to like relax your brain and let the movie just happen and 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 sort of allow yourself to be surprised
0: I think when this movie came out it was before I was actively trying to figure stuff out. I think that this movie uh was in a in a kind of a golden age where you allowed yourself to do stuff like that. I'm not sure if I'm capable of it anymore
2: yeah i I can't. I do have to point out like every time Randy opens his mouth about this, he's right like he's he's basically saying. Hey, look at Billy. He's clearly killed someone. <laughs> he's got it written on his forehead. <laughs> and, and Billy does the insane speech in the video store. It's just like, yeah, you you probably have. And then he's like, it's Stu. And he was right both times. He makes an accusation. But but yeah, I don't, even when I'm guessing, I was never going to guess two people. So Scream surprised me. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of horror movies and, Scream was just one that, hey, they give you something I wasn't expecting, and I I like that. I I do kind of like Billy's speech initially of it's a lot scarier without a motive. And I was like, yes, it is. And he's like, but yeah. I'm immediately going to give you a motive. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I am. Yeah. was
2: much better. He's just like, a, a, I'm easily peer pressured, man. <laughs> I'm sensitive.
0: So you know, we've already kind of talked about um, you know, the vibe of this movie a little bit, but let's let's really go into uh, the atmosphere a little bit. Woodsboro definitely gives you an isolated feeling while still giving you that small town
2: charm. It's clearly somewhere in California, but it's like a little bit more rural, I suppose. but you you get great shots of the school, but also Sydney's house, they show you those woods. So it's like, okay you don't have a lot of neighbors that you can just run to. They do make a great Halloween reference of run to the McKinsey's uh, during, uh, Drew Barrymore's death scene. But yeah, the, the house is actually the film house. Stu Mocker's house is across the street from Cujo's house. So kudos for, don't run into that yard. Yes. <laughs> for that, that's very big horror neighborhood. I kind of want to live there. I, I like the high school.
0: I don't mean to like marginalize any part of this movie, but I definitely think the Scream High School was the 90s high school. Like, yeah. pick your movie, drive me crazy. Like, whatever the faculty, whatever movie you pick, that is the stereotypical 90s high school.
1: I think I know exactly what you mean by that. Um, the, I want to get back to the houses. You gotta have these big houses in a mo- in a movie like this, so that the chases inside of the homes feel uh, like there's different steps to them, or that they're like several different rooms. Um, I, you know, if if you were going to have a slasher movie in my house. It's actually more like a slasher commercial because you can only go to like two rooms and then it's over. <laughs> uh, so, so, so having these big farmhouses out in the middle of nowhere, these houses are so gigantic, and, and that's what makes the experience of the of the thrill and the chase and uh, the camera work between uh, the rooms uh, so fun and um, jarring. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome the the, ha- the, the choice of these big houses is, is obviously intentional and so much of, like, so great to view.
0: There is an area Northeast of, uh, Santa Barbara, uh, kind of in between Santa Barbara and a little town called Solvang and the landscape behind Sydney's house reminded me so much of that area. It's kind of a, another California wine country, at least where they, they serve a lot of it. And, uh, and and that's kind of where I place this movie upon this watching because I hadn't been there the first time I had seen it. But that's kind of the, the area that I pictured, because you still have to have that kind of Santa Barbara wealth to have those big houses out in that country. But it's also not smack dab up against the coast.
2: Yeah. To Dustin's point, Sydney even talks about it with it's a horror movie trope. It's like some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. You can't run up the stairs in a little apartment or anything else. You need some room to flee in terror, find closet, find different ways. I did think it was interesting, though, you know, watching this again. It's like, after she utters that line, she immediately can't get out the front door (laughs) and has to run upstairs.
1: Yep.
0: Let's talk about 90s clothing for a minute. Now I'm a huge fan of everything Rose McGowan wears in this movie. (laughs) Um, uh, Skeet Ulrich and uh, Matthew Lillard both have about the most stereotypical '90s guy uh, dress code. It's the uh, khaki pants and the no undershirt V-neck sweaters,
1: uh, or just a
0: plain old T-shirt. Like not not like a T-shirt T-shirt, not a graphic T-shirt. Let's just wear undershirts.
2: Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Nev Campbell got in some good tied around the waist flannel jacket as well. So we have to have oh, that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, yep. it's typical nineties fair all over. So it's, I enjoy it. It reminds me of my youth. So I, I, Agreed. I like seeing it. I do have to, uh, I have to point this out cause I think it's funny. Ghostface's costume, it was originally going to be white, but they changed it because he looked like a member of the clan. So, oh, mm, it's call. a good change. Yeah. Good call, it's yeah. a good change. <laughs> Different
1: picture. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have a white robe chasing people. that are like, change uh, that. Change that.
1: We don't want that. I, I, um, I, I, I dig all this, all this wardrobe. I, I, I love it, um, because it's not a movie, uh, attempting to recreate like what the look of the time was. This kind of just was the look at the time, um, which is, which makes it even better, you know, loose flannel shirt worn over a plain, you know, plain shirt, the uh, or a plain tee. Um, the the ribbed sweaters, those, I remember how comfortable those were, just to kind of have it like draped over you. Um, uh, we, we weren't quite at the time. I, I know, I, I know this isn't the right, like the exactly the right timing, but like, Seeing a movie where somebody's wearing Jinko jeans for real, for Lee <laughs> pipes is like oh, hell yeah. Um, I love every single one of the uh, of the news reporters, including Gail is wearing essentially like every color of the rainbow, like a uh, blazer and skirt combo, like suit, um, which I also dig, including the hair, the the the, the volume of the hair, uh, I, I I like a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, just, it, it is, it is something that like, I remember, I remember this and I didn't think I'd be discussing like nineties fashion is like, I remember that. And like looking back on it fondly, but here I am.
0: Well, back when my waist was 10 inches smaller, I was also a proud owner of Jinko jeans. So, uh, as someone who now, uh, tries to fit his body into slimmer models of, uh, denim wear, uh, I miss it. I'll, I'll be, I'll scout there and say, I miss it.
2: <laughs> Cargo pants were so practical
0: and they've gone away. <laughs> Carry everything. Somewhat. Someone decided to make them uh, not fashionable. Like, I feel like I, they have been targeting men toward purses. You know, they just want to eliminate like all of our storage space. And I don't appreciate
2: it. <laughs> Bring back Jenko jeans.
0: Uh, let's talk for a second about the soundtrack and score here. Um, how are we feeling about what how the music led to Ambiance? Is there are there songs in here you particularly like?
2: Yeah, Youth of America was a great addition. I think that's a great song. I like their acoustic kind of toned down version again, an homage to Halloween of Don't Fear the Reaper. That was a real I did not cool. like that. Oh <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, sticking with the blue oyster cult for Dustin but yeah I, I I like that and the main theme even when you just get a hint of it as Casey's being murdered and she's gasping for breath towards her parents and you get this little hint of uh, their female voices just slowly kind of moaning in the background the main theme is so 90s grunge this just 9 inch nails type and I I love it it's so much Different than you know, the xylophones and things that we we're getting. I think of tubular bells, even Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a lot of that orchestral background where this is down and dirty, which is a, appropriate for Ghostface. He's he's clumsy, he gets hit, he falls down. This is a great soundtrack for him.
0: I could not possibly agree with Chad more on this. Uh, the one thing that I can hands down 100 tell you was a new realization upon the rewatch for this podcast is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds red right hand. Yeah. Made popular by Peaky Blinders. I was like, "Oh man. I didn't even know that was in this movie." And and I didn't. I mean, it just wasn't something I was paying attention to at the time. But what a great segue track, you know, going through this movie really does add some humor to a horror genre that is fairly humorless at this point. And uh, to have that kind of whimsical, (laughs) as they're doing segue sounds, the first time I heard it, I was like, Oh, maybe it's a a coincidence. And then there's like "Eh, the red right hand. I was like, Oh, it is that. All right. Fantastic.
1: I remember being introduced to that song. At least I think I remember it this way. In Dumb and Dumber, is, isn't that when uh, Lloyd, is, is, he's taken all the rest of the money before their trip across the country, and he's he's got a big foam hat on, and he's, I think it's right before he gets all of his stuff jacked by the woman in the motor scooter. Like, I think that's that's when I was introduced to that song, and for me, I guess that would have been like age seven or so. So, like, uh, that, was, that was one that, like, stood out to me. I, I remembered it. Um... I am going to go super obscuro here, uh, and as I like to do, try to uh, mold Twin Peaks into every part of my life, but uh, Julie Cruz, Julie Cruz making an an appearance on this uh, soundtrack, who uh, did the lyrics to, if you didn't know that the Twin Peaks theme had lyrics, or was released as a song called Falling, uh, sung by Julie Cruz. So when I was uh, kind of looking at the soundtrack, Two or three days ago. I was like, Oh, there she is again, and and all things come back together with Twin Peaks. Excellent. Excellent.
2: Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that even though it's not so much soundtrack, but Roger Jackson's voice for Ghostface, that was a placeholder. Like it wasn't supposed to stay there. And Wes Craven was like, This is irreplaceable. He's doing a great job. And I love how his voice starts off mellow. You know almost seductive you know what's your favorite and he's like i want to see what it's like from on your insides <laughs> and it's just this yeah. in quick intensity this 180 degree turn i love it hang up on me again
1: <laughs> oh yeah oh the fr- don't you hang up on me oh oh man i can't believe it was a placeholder yeah. uh, you, you've you've hit me like five or six different facts that i didn't know which i, I always love about this podcast but I did not know it was a placeholder. It seems perfect.
0: Oh, there was a I lot. I wish I had been the inventor of the ghost face mask.
2: Father <laughs> death.
0: Well, that's like, that's another one. I just made this, you know, I just made this mask and I thought it was kind of creepy. And then Wes Craven's like, it's perfect. And I'm like, I'm going to rule the world.
2: <laughs> well, I, as we know, the the name Weinstein, Weinstein isn't exactly synonymous with great choices here. so. Oh. So they hated that mask. And they just said, this is silly. This is stupid. It's not scary at all. And Wes Craven said, here's what we have with Drew Barrymore. Here's the scene with Casey. And as soon as they saw the mask and like pulling through the glass, they go, all right, we get it. (laughs) So, So yeah. I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Wes is the man for saving a lot of things here. He just, he really fought this movie and they almost fired him there's definitely a
0: variety of different ways that you can be great at your job and it's not always just having you know the right idea at the right time but it's knowing when you've struck gold accidentally and keeping it (laughs) and and I'll definitely give the nod to Wes Craven on that
2: I do feel bad though like Skeet Ulrich during the filming of this uh, the stunt he was wearing a vest when he gets stabbed with the umbrella he actually had an open heart wound and the stunt person missed and they stabbed him in the chest. So like the pain you're seeing on screen, that's legitimate. So oh <laughs> I can't imagine how bad Wes felt because there are a lot of retractable knives. The scene with Steve is really cool. You can see uh, there's an a- the actor that's doing Steve is behind them. And then it's a pair of fake legs so he can still move his torso. So that's cool. But to Brian's point, someone was probably asking, all right, Wes, do you really (laughs) need 50 gallons of blood? And he's like, I'll use it. I'll use it. I promise.
0: Even if there's a pool party at the end of this, we'll use it.
1: Makes you think about uh, how dangerous the penguin is with his use of umbrellas. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 It's good enough to miss a bulletproof vest and injure Skeet Ulrich. I don't know what that is on a danger scale, but you can definitely injure Skeet Ulrich.
0: Would that be the first Skeet Skeet?
2: Oh, God. Oh, we're not cutting that. (laughs)
0: all right guys let's hand out some superlatives it's the best part of the show in my opinion i hope it's yours as well can you start me off with an mvp chat
2: i'm going with drew barrymore i was really tempted for wes craven but she is the one that approached the studio her scene without the opening casey scene man it's a different movie and the fact that Wes yep. Craven is sitting there telling her terrible stories about animal abuse so she cries for real is just oh my god. That's kind of hilarious. But yeah, her name attracts everybody else to this cast and she did a wonderful job. So props to Drew Barrymore.
1: Oh Excellent. I thought I thought I thought Wes Craven was saying uh Fry's first skeet skeet joke, which was making her so upset.
0: That Oh, that could have been terrible. that makes <laughs> uh, me cry. No.
1: <laughs> uh okay so so for me i um upon revisiting i was uh uh, charmed and i was trying to decide who who stands out as mvp for me it's kevin williamson it's the person who pitched it it's like it's the uh writer excellent um and i i i the confidence of pitching what this was i know it was under that working title scary movie Uh, it was pitched as a like a franchise we've got something here um. You know, we, we caught this in a bottle, and it's going to be great. And uh, we, we know that it's got a lasting impression. And uh, I think mo- the hardest thing for me to ever do is to give the right amount of credit to the director. And we're dealing with Wes Craven, here, so you have to. But um, any time that I can give it to the screenwriter, I'm going to. So for me, it's Kevin Williamson.
2: They had so many nice little touches. You're right on the writers. You know, Dewey, when he's... Right beside Sheriff Burke, Sheriff Burke is smoking, and he's looking very manly. And Dewey's con- contrasted with a pink ice cream cone, and he's just licking it. And just a little touches like that, I really appreciate. It. That's a great call. It's a good. So Dustin.
1: Yeah, go we're... go ahead.
0: Were 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 you Holly Marie Combs charmed, Alyssa Milano charmed, Rose McGowan charmed, or Shannon Dougherty charmed? Alyssa
1: Milano all the way, still am, have not been released from that spell, brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you called that because I was thinking the same thing, Fry.
1: <laughs> and, and I was kind of waiting for who's going to be the one to pounce on that. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, those are some excellent MVPs. Mine personally was Nev Campbell, and I went a little differently on this one because I remember seeing this originally and thinking she kind of kept up this very very uh earnest and real vulnerability pretty much throughout the whole movie, and it's not an easy thing to act. And when I think of like the entire filming of a, of a whole movie, into becoming you know a strong uh you know the fighter at the end, like I just felt like she did a really really good job keeping up that same level of vulnerability throughout the film so I went with Nev on this one,
2: yeah, you look at the other actresses that audition for this like if Melissa Joan Hart got this part, I'm not buying that she could fight back like Nev Campbell did that takes a specific type of character you're right of the vulnerability with Billy but also you know, fight back when she has that moment of about to be stabbed by Ghostface. You just see this sudden determination when she kicks him off of her. Yeah, she's awesome.
0: I think what you're looking for is it takes a brunette. Yes. So uh let's go with a best supporting actor or actress, uh Dustin.
1: I feel like because I'm going first I might be Uh, one of you two to this punch but uh it's 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 lillard it's matthew lillard as as stew
2: yes it is
1: (laughs) Uh, yes yes it is is it all we'll we'll just
0: we'll put a a stamp on a times three on this uh this this movie yeah definitely the
1: yeah the the seal of matthew lillard approval uh it's he he is um his movement is rubber he he can he, he portrays this um that like it's almost like the the weird skinny athleticism. If you were to think about it, and if you were to say like, all right, when when Ghostface gets hit in the face with the freezer door, and then you you take that prat fall, like by definition the prat fall of falling on the ground, you're like, if you put Shaggy in that role, that's how he would prat fall. Um, like like the 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 speed of 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 ghost of Ghostface fits with his lean build. Um. And that's that's not even talking about just like his facial performance, um, the uh, amount of like spittle that comes out when he's losing it. Uh, and I'm not just talking about some of those gallons of blood, just losing it mentally. Uh, in incredible. Uh, I, I I I'm already a Lillard fan, but this was worthy of a standing ovation. Well done.
2: Yeah, he's one of my absolute favorites in all of horror, and he's so proud of himself. You're right, the facial expressions. Even when he does something stupid like liver alone. Get it? <laughs> just the pride in his face from this stupid pun. But at the end, did you really call the police? My mom and dad oh. are going to be so mad at me. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good, <laughs> Those man. are lines that could have been a disaster in someone else's hands. But Matthew Lillard, man. So there's a running theory. Of future scream franchises that Stu wasn't killed by the TV and that he would orchestrate other kids from prison and they would act as Ghostface. That has never happened. Not to spoil too much, but it just didn't happen. I want him back. Please come back, Matthew. I do too.
0: Yep, I'll take him back. Um, so my uh, my bromance with Matthew Lillard started with 1995's Hackers. Uh, he was my favorite character in that movie. And uh, it, it really is he's hopped from very similar characters, but also with very definitive differences that he's really, you know, walked a line very well with. And even later on, when he's done some of his not so good movies, I was still game because it's Matthew Lillard, Summer Catch, 13 Ghosts, uh, Wing Commander. um I, I was always down because it was Matthew Lillard and because I knew no matter what, I'd at least enjoy him in it. So, yeah, he is also my supporting actor in this one. Uh, I just love him.
1: Yeah, he managed Because we all picked him. Oh. Was there anybody else that like it was a tough decision? Because it was my decision right away. I usually like to present when I was like I was teetering between these two. But it just it was him for me the whole time. Yeah, there was. I was
0: trying to find reasons to put him as
1: my favorite or my MVP
2: like
0: i was like trying to like <laughs> yeah. i was like ah, i just i don't feel like i can make it stick with any other excuse than i'm just such a fan
2: yeah i i had the same debate it was like is it lillard i love him and he really helps this movie and even the stupid lines like uh when they're talking about there's no way a girl could be the killer and he suddenly gets really menacing when he's talking about gutting someone and how he would use the knife and it turns out yeah he's actually doing that or willing to do that but in that moment you're like oh there's more to this character than lovable goofy idiot that's like licking rose mcgowan which they had great chemistry by the way they they actually reminded me of a high school couple
0: like the ones that make you feel a little awkward to be around most of the time yeah yeah i think that's
2: what they were going for
1: like yeah is my, is my girlfriend wanting me to be like that with her Because that's i don't Ah, it's right in the open. You're going to fall in the fountain. So this... You know, whatever. (laughs) This will be a
2: minor segue, but we're going to do it because it's... Brian's on, and I always do this with him. Uh, my, My wife has a thing with horror movies where she can't watch real ones. She's fine with things that cannot physically happen, but real ones like Scream? Bad idea. We watched this together. She'd never seen it, and this was a couple years back. She woke me up screaming screaming in the middle of the night like she just seemed annoyed when the movie was over but in the middle of the night started screaming so endor one more endorsement for scream if realistic movies get to you got to my wife
0: uh my wife goes a different direction with this Uh, she's okay with stab she's okay with uh really more or less quote-unquote real Uh, the ring messed her up so bad on ghosts and like overly (laughs) supernatural things that to this point, uh, the two things that are absolute no nos in my household is, uh, no super duper creepy ghosts and heaven help you. If you ever show me anything with a girl with dripping wet hair.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The grudge is off the board.
0: I, well, now I brought evil dead. I was like, (laughs) oh man. Yeah. I love evil dead. And I was like, Oh, it's not ghosts. It's not ghosts. It's not ghosts. Luckily a friend of mine at work talked me into going to see it after work one day. And I was like, Jess, do you mind? She was like, no, it's cool. I went to see it. I left that movie theater with this look on my face and he goes, Oh, did that mess you up? And I was like, no, my wife would have murdered me in the theater for that. (laughs) Like I, I dodged a bullet so much by seeing that early without her. And I went home and she was like, Oh, how was it? And I was like, you would have killed me. And she goes, dripping hair? I was like, The whole movie. Yeah. The whole movie was chicks with dripping wet hair. And she was like, Yeah, I would have killed you. That, and I was like, Yeah, I know. That
2: might be the goriest remake I've ever seen in my life.
0: It was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. I def yeah, I would have been in so much trouble, guys. You have no idea. I may not even be here today.
1: <laughs> I, I, I like, almost brought this up earlier, uh, but about the ring, uh, which I love and is uh top Oh, it's 10, great. Top it's ten so for me. Great. uh top ten horror at least. Uh, my friend and his little brother went to go see the ring and they shared a room and sometime in between them going to see the movie and coming back, uh, his mom or dad or someone had cleaned their room for them. And during <laughs> cleaning their room for them, they knocked the cable, uh, into the wall out of the wall. Nice. So when they went to turn their TV on that night, they had the static and it freaked them out. Oh, uh, that's terrific. An incredible story, not my own story, but I I love that he shared it with me. I'm like, how you can't plan it any better um, unless you're turning somebody's house completely upside down.
0: (laughs) It is perfect. That's, oh, that's good.
1: All right, uh, Hidden Gem. First of all, on uh, Sydney's wall is a picture of the Indigo Girls, which I don't think she would have been listening to. (laughs) Um, I also do not like the Indigo Girls. I like what they stand for, but... um, uh, second second gem was uh there's a sound there's a, a a really awesome sound when Ghostface is killing or it might be like at the moment of like a, a blade plunging into a chest or slashing and um, the sound is like a high pitched whir or whine that I said I've heard this before like like upon rewatching I said I've mm. heard that sound before and it is the same like sudden. Dissonance—it's like a dissonant wail or high-pitched, like scraping sound that happens any time that the Winter Soldier shows up in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. It's meant to be like jarring to you. It is a surprise when you see this this super soldier about to, like you know, wreak havoc. It's this, it, and it's it's the exact. It's almost exactly the same sound. And I had always kind of praised that sound design in that movie and i was like i should have looked uh you know 15 to 20 years earlier to scream for that sound so i have <laughs> screamed to thank for that sound excellent excellent
0: uh my hidden gem for this one is gonna be uh red right hand i just i was so just happy to hear that song and i was like oh i don't remember that at all from my first listen i didn't appreciate it at the time definitely appreciated my second run through nice.
2: chad I'm going with the man himself, Wes Craven. He is the janitor that's called out by the principal. He says, hey, Freddy. And he's wearing Freddy's sweater and his hat, cleaning the floors. He's a little crouchy. But I do, I, I'm going to fit in, in a second. I'm going to be indulgent here. There, There's a girl who plays the cheerleader in a bathroom. Her name is Leonora Skelfo. She's in next to nothing else, like three movies to her credit. Every time I watch this movie, I'm impressed by her performance. She does such a great job of doing that annoying teenage girl kind of sing-song mimic voice while playing with her hair. But she's talking about some super screwed up stuff. She's like, Sydney's mother just uh, slept around and she just snapped and she had to kill someone. And she's twirling her hair and doing the ditzy cheerleader routine. She impresses me.
0: Did did you like have any trouble or notice at all that she got out of the bathroom after taking a dump and stuck her finger in her mouth without washing? I did not. Yeah, that bothered. I like that's all I could stare at.
2: I just assumed it was a girl thing where you know they're just accompanying each other and there's there's no actual things.
1: I, I think what yeah, Chad was saying is not that he didn't notice that it happened. He just didn't think it was wrong. <laughs> 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 and, and well props, props to the uh, to the perf- the performance slash writing of of like the other girl that's kind of like a mean girl in the because by the end of that very short conversation, even the other girl is put off by just the rough context yeah like uh, oh i can't even believe like i'm mean like you and i can't yeah that's the last thing she says you're pathetic yeah (laughs) um yeah wow so yeah
2: yeah we all have have that one friend that goes too far like well all right it was funny until
0: then it got hilarious
1: (laughs)
2: brian is that (laughs) friend
0: (laughs) what is our recast dustin
1: uh, recast for me uh, was was tough because I loved everybody in their roles. Uh, for me, though, it, it, I'm going to go with, instead of Rose McGowan as Tatum, uh, which who I loved, um, I'm going to go with Chloe Sevigny as Tatum instead. Um, I think it would uh, increase the slider of edginess slash weirdness of that character uh, to a place that maybe 90s teens weren't ready for. So that's that's mine. I it's not because I felt like it could be a better performance. It just changes the role of or or the person, how do I put it? It changes the character to to be just a little stranger, I think. Okay. I'm excited
0: you brought her up because Chad, do you know the actress he's referring to? I do, yeah. Okay. I've always pronounced it Savigny. I'm curious, do you have a third pronunciation for her last name because I always get excited To get the echo on this, to see how many people have it, and who's right.
2: No, Dustin had it.
0: Okay. And we all
2: learned something. (laughs) The more you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was tempted. This is such a great cast. I love everyone. So I kind of had to go to the fringes here. I did think about recasting Rose McGowan's Tatum. Nothing against her. She was great. But I think I'm going to replace Kenny the cameraman. I liked him. But I feel like if we could put in Kevin Smith here doing like the silent Bob type treatment, Mm. I sort of want that.
0: I like that too. I I was kind of thinking on this recast, I I needed one kind of pop culture icon cameo. So with mine, I went with with Shirley Manson as the principal.
2: Okay.
1: God, it like, just got so much hotter.
0: Right? It, like, I mean, <laughs> may, maybe that equates to too much violence against women, like you have to have more male victims. I get that. But I just or maybe Marilyn Manson. What if Marilyn Manson was the principal? Like
1: give me oh, one the movie just got so much hotter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one cameo. One cameo of someone who is, you know, Trent Reznor, give me a, a an icon of the time and music as a really minor bit part in this and that's what I was what I was thinking.
2: Okay. You're replacing the pop culture icon of the fawns.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. But it's uh I was thinking more music. Like I needed that music icon in here. All right. Um let's go with a uh, best shot, Chad.
2: The scene where Casey's being chased and it's like semi slow motion with Ghost's face slowly closing <sighs> in and his robes are flapping in the wind and he raises his knife and you know, slowly catches her and stabs her right in the chest. That is just fantastic. And that makes me sound like a very disturbed individual.
1: No, well, no, it's 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 accurate because it's a great scene and it was or a great shot, and it's mine too. It's exactly <laughs> the one. Alright. That's exactly the one. I, I will say, um Ghostface tries to get through blockades. Yes. <laughs> and so every time you see him flailing through a, a slightly open door is like, like he, he's not going to he he's not sitting there and thinking silently about how he's going to get through that door or he's not like brooding somewhere off screen he's trying his hardest to get through that door so like oh, the shots where he's like one arm is through the door and he's swinging the knife i like
2: that <laughs> yeah he is kind of a bull in a china shop like just <laughs> relentless
1: um
0: i'm going to go with the shot this is briefly touched on and i was like
2: no 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 no
0: no uh, earlier today but my best shot was the sheriff And Dewey, like the sheriff is just just loving, chain smoking this cigarette so close to Dewey's head. And Dewey is just eating this strawberry ice cream cone. (laughs) And the duality of that just is and he's like, mmm, you know, like it just that made me laugh. It still makes me laugh. It always makes me laugh.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Dewey's being so serious too of just slowly licking his ice cream.
1: And also, he has been conveniently not on camera for an enough like an enough amount of time to make it seem like well we're, we're still in that we're still in that phase of not knowing who the killer could potentially be. So even just like the time before he shows back up with that ice cream, it's a time that he's suspect yeah. or potentially suspect.
2: Well, uh, they did a great job of making him look like such a doofus though. When he runs in in his tight white T-shirt and he's holding his gun in the middle of the house to answer a phone.
1: <laughs> yeah no
0: one no one suspects the butterfly yeah. all right guys uh what is our best scene dustin
1: for me it is uh principal hembry mm-hmm. hembry it mm-hmm. is uh it is i love the scene with the scissors but they w- right before uh he bites the dust he is uh like acting solo um he he is he's acting to no one else on screen he's portraying fear he scares himself in the mirror um he he's i love how like vain he is to like like you know doing his hair in the mirror but uh he's walking around uh the halls a little bit uh i i just think it's pretty cool to see when an actor um just kind of it's only on him like the focus is only on the actor him or her and so in, in that, I, I liked that scene of like, it's not just, um, the teens in danger, the killer will kill whomever he wants.
2: <laughs> He's trying on the mask. I, I do love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, my best scene is the tape lag killings. It's everything in and around the 32nd lag between what's seen in the living room to what's shown in the van. Yes. yes. I, 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 I love all of that. That entire sequence, everything to do with it, was so much fun.
1: Yes, very good.
2: Yeah, that was great. I mean, for for me, I really love the stabbing scene, but I feel like since we haven't addressed it, I have to talk about the rules. Oh, you know, Randy. Oh, yeah. Randy's stopping. He's like, you don't know the rules? And then he lists these out, and these just became such a pop culture icon of you can never have sex, and everyone's booing him. He's, Boo. You can never drink or do drugs. And then there's a yeah. lot more booing as he's raising his beer. And he ends with, never, ever, under any circumstance, say, you'll be right back. And then Stu immediately is like, yeah,
0: I'm going to go grab a beer. You want one? Yeah. Sure. D- I'll it. I'll be right <laughs> back.
2: Yeah, he, he mummy walks. He sticks his arms out and mummy walks out back. He does that a couple times in the movie. I love that. I don't know why he decided to do that. I love it.
0: I would love to find out that that was impromptu. I'm sure it was scripted, but in case it was impromptu, that was just genius.
2: Oh, in my headcanon, he just decided to backwards Frankenstein out of every door he could and see how many he could get in the shot.
1: (laughs) I'm so happy that you at first called it mummying and then switched to reverse Frankenstein because I almost interrupted you to say, don't you mean reverse Frankenstein? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's what I think. That's what I thought it was. So yeah, we're on the same page again. Right on, right on.
0: Um, do we have any uh, wardrobe makeup moments that we want to toss out there for the people?
2: I actually do. So the scene Dustin was talking about, you uh, Principal Hembry opens his closet for just a little bit. You see the black leather Fonzie jacket hanging in the closet, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, what a great touch that is. Like, you didn't have to do that. I appreciate it.
1: Excellent. Uh, that's for, the- for me, it's Billy's ribbed white tee because I wore ribbed t-shirts when I was in high school. <laughs> um, so, so that's that's the one for me. Uh, not V-neck. I didn't I didn't get turned on to V-neck until college. Uh, but yeah, I went to the uh, the Belk department store and bought me some ribbed tees.
2: Nice.
0: Would, did you wear Did you wear them for your pleasure? <laughs> What's your change? One thing, Chad.
2: Uh, I covered it earlier, but. I still want Stu to live. I'm going to keep championing this. I'm going to make it happen. You know, scream five people. I don't care if you're in mid-production. If Stu's not in it, go change it.
0: I got to tell you, I, I'd i never heard hearsay of this. I love the idea. I love what it could do. And right now I'm looking at my change one thing and I'm thinking, I but I want that more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna piggyback, man. I uh, I would have liked my my change. One thing is, I I would have liked um, kind of more of an ending, like post where it actually ends uh, to kind of set it up for Scream too. Uh, but I, that just seems so trite compared to the idea of having Stu back in another Scream movie.
1: Well, I can't talk about the other Scream movies uh, because I have walled myself off from them. Um, but I am aware that Leah Schreiber does, um, as Cotton Weary. Um, I, I noticed him right away, by the way, because I don't watch a lot of TV, but I did watch that Ray Donovan show. I I really like Liev Schreiber. Oh yeah. And, yeah. um, so I, the, the movie does, does in this movie, is there a good resolution to, to that? Because we do know that he didn't do it. Yeah. He's exonerated. But I guess if that whatever. To which it is. I have
0: to say, to which yeah. I have to say, Mister Melbardis, tear down that wall.
1: <laughs> I got to start watching more stuff. Now I just rewatched the same things from a long time. ago. I'm great for this podcast. You guys are watching new movies. I haven't seen a new movie in years. Uh, you asked me uh, to, My very first guest uh, appearance was for 2011. I was like, yeah, I've seen some new movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I guess more more with live. Is all I would have said to change one thing. Okay.
0: Very
2: good. Yeah, that was Gail's whole thing, like why she shows yes. up. Like, I'm going to exonerate Cotton.
0: All right, guys, best quote, Chad. <sighs>
2: I'm I'm going to do the do you like scary movies that, that's required, but I, this is my actual one. When Rose McGowan Tatum is in the garage and she's talking to Ghostface, and you've got to imagine I'm nodding my head at one point. It's like, do you want to play Psycho Killer? And there's this slow nod from Ghostface, like, can I be the helpless victim? And another slow nod, and you're just like, <laughs> you're gonna get yeah. dead! <laughs> <laughs> Stabby Rip stab, stab. She did get a great groin shot with that beer bottle, though, so uh, props to the stuntman there. I know
0: I've probably brought it up before. But no beer bottle, full or otherwise, breaks that easily. <laughs> it literally takes me out of the moment when I see things break that easily. I'm like, no.
2: No, G- Ghostface was wearing a cop. He came prepared.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, best quote for you, Dustin.
1: Uh, it is, it is uh, on the phone. It is Stu at the end on the phone. Uh, when they're talking about the motive, he I mean, says peer pressure, far too sensitive. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love it. Um, because, because he's, he's doing a lot of, uh, you know, up close face acting and his tone changes just from every five seconds to five seconds of, uh, agony to, uh, psychosis. I think right before that, uh, Sydney says, like, you guys are crazy. I think he, like, kind of peeks over Billy's head and says, We prefer the term psychotic, or something like that. Uh, th- that, that was the cap to, to those quotes. So that was mine. Peer pressure.
0: I, I'm going with, with, I'll be right back. <laughs> I, if you took the percentage of times I have said, I'll be right back since seeing Scream for the first time at least 30 to 50 percent of them I've said I'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> purely because of this. So yeah one. I've got yeah I've got to go with that
1: one. Excellent. Good quotes. A lot of great quotes in on this one. Oh so many.
0: All right guys on a scale of 0. 0.5 to 5 totally against that. On a scale of zero to five uh zero being the worst and five being the best in half star encrunch Uh, what do you rate this movie, Chad?
2: I feel like I've tipped my hat, but yeah, it's five stars. I cannot begin to stress the importance of Scream to our younger listeners. Man, this movie is not only important, but it's great. Like horror was in a state of straight to video. Scream revived horror. It's my favorite genre. This is probably my favorite franchise it's not my favorite movie but it's my favorite franchise so top tier horror movie five stars
0: and dustin
1: um you know it's hard to go after <laughs> after someone who loves this movie so much uh, I, I will say uh, it's not my favorite genre um i i did uh really really enjoy it when i when i rewatched it and the reason i did is because it's a perfect movie five stars first time ever
2: Wow! I am do- can't see it over Podcast Land, but I am doing the touchdown symbol. <laughs> Dustin has yeah, told uh, me he's going to be difficult, and I was prepared to have my heart broken.
1: I I, I rewatched it, and I it and I realized as I I I, di- I could I didn't even start taking notes. I I turned everything off, and I just fell into this movie again. And I was just this, this is perfect, and I was so happy, and I knew that I would be making you happy by giving it the rating that it deserves. It's a perfect movie. Five stars.
2: I'm dancing podcast. Oh man, I, God,
0: I I was so ready just to give this a solid four and be done with it, but I'm far too susceptible to peer pressure. (laughs) So I'm gonna go with a five. Yeah, it deserves it. It deserves it.
1: It it's. I mean, it's a tan.
0: Freaking tan. (laughs) All right. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna select a movie for next time. Who wants to pick? Yeah, I'll do it. All right, Chad. Option number one, 1944's Gaslight. Years after her aunt was murdered in her home, a young woman moves back into the house with her new husband. However, he has a secret that he will do anything to protect, even if it means driving his wife insane. Option two, Touch of Evil, a stark, perverse story of murder, kidnapping, and police corruption in a Mexican border town. Option three, Laura, a police detective falls in love with a woman whose murder he's
2: investigating. All right, we're going old school. I'm going to go with 1944's Laura. All right, we're going with Laura, folks.
0: Well, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Dustin, for being here. Thank you, listeners. And thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of our Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook, a comment, a question, anything you like. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. Uh, producing and providing this podcast is fun, but not free. We invite you to support us at our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash retro movie roundtable forward slash any contribution is much appreciated. And will go, go toward making the show better for you. The listener, as always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. This war is mine. Your war is arrogant. That makes it evil. That's mine.